So good morning, good morning. How is everyone doing today? Good? Is it just me or are those videos getting worse and worse every single week? Hey, I want to welcome you. My name is Colby. If this is your first time checking out Elevate Church, you picked a great week. We are in a series called Foolproof. And really what it is is a study over the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is part of the wisdom teaching in the Bible written by a man named King Solomon. Solomon was the third king of the nation of Israel who was known to be the wisest man who ever walked the earth. And the reason uh, for his wisdom was when he became king, he didn't offer the normal one sacrifice you know, to God, demonstrating his devotion to the God that they would follow. Oftentimes in this time period, in this culture, when someone became king, they would say, hey, okay, I'm king, and here's the guy that we're gonna follow. But he didn't offer just one sacrifice to the one true God. He offered a thousand. And because he offered a thousand sacrifices, it so moved God's heart that God said, hey, what do you want? And I'll give it to you. And he asked for wisdom. And so Solomon goes on to write this book of Proverbs, uh, enlarged to to give these words of wisdom to his son. But he writes that wisdom is supreme. And because it's supreme, you and I should do whatever we can to gain it. Do like write that check, you know, just go out and find wisdom any way you can. And so we're in this study over the book of Proverbs. Now, before I dive into the content today, I'm going to kind of, I'm mixing things up a little bit. This is going to run just a couple more weeks. We have next week and then the week after that, I'm going to be finishing it. However, I'm not exactly sure of the direction I'm going to take the final week. So this is going to be a, an audience participation, choose the ending of the story uh, kind of series. And I want to give you a couple different options. Some of the foundational pillars that we find in the book of Proverbs, uh, uh, Solomon talks a lot about work, about hard work, talks about, hey, you know, look to the ant, you lazy, good for nothing, you know, sluggard, you know, and he talks a lot about hard work. But he also talks a lot about the tongue, how there's power in the tongue, power to give life, power to, to take life. So we need to watch our words. So knowing that I really only have uh, another week after next week that I need to kind of fill, and I wish we could be in this for, you know, it would take six, eight, ten weeks to really kind of dive into Proverbs uh, in its kind of completeness, I want to let you choose the ending. So for those of you, just by a quick raise of hands, I want you to participate in this. Just kind of the first thing that comes into your mind, it's going to be if you want to hear a final message on work and not being lazy, or something like, I don't want to hear about that. Um, or do you want to hear about kind of the power to give life and take life in the tongue? I'll invite you to raise your hand. So those that want to hear about work, raise your hand. It's, it's by your silence that I'm figuring we're going to talk about work. You know what I'm saying? Power of the, the tongue, you raise your hand. All right, all right, so, I, so enough said. I think that's what we're going to do. All right, so that's gonna be the, the last week, not next week, but the week following that, we're gonna talk a lot about the power of the tongue. However, today, I'm excited about this message um, because on one hand, I, I'm looking forward to the content, looking forward to, I think there's a lot of practical stuff in this teaching today. However, I'm also a little unsatisfied with it. And here's why. I'm a cookies on the bottom shelf kind of guy. I like things simple. I like things to have a a nice, neat kind of packaging, uh, keep things kind of cut and dry and black and white. And this message is not going to be that. There is going to be a tension in this message that you and I aren't fully going to be able to resolve. However, we are going to have to wrestle with it and embrace it. Uh, I'm calling this message, if you want to jot down a title, Foolproofing Our Friendships. How many of you, 
would be honest and say, you have some friends that are fools. Raise your hands. Don't point. Don't nudge. You have some friends that, that are, are foolish. I think we live in a world of social media where we have changed the, what the meaning of the term friend means. Because I'm not talking about like Facebook friends. I'm not talking about, you know, some of you are like, oh, I got friends on Facebook. I got like 400 friends. But you don't. You have 400 people, you know, that, that you're an acquaintance with or, or that, that are a friend on Facebook or that they kind of know you, maybe don't know you, uh, that just kind of like to follow you or, or maybe they're, they're haters and they want to follow you. You have 400 people, but they're not all friends. You don't have 400 close personal friendships, which, which by the way, just reminds me, can we celebrate that we had about 400 women here on Wednesday for sisterhood and my wife brought an incredible message. I mean, that was... An amazing night of women gathering. It was unbelievable, unbelievable stories coming out of that night. Uh, but you don't have 400 close personal friends. And the idea, which is beautiful on Facebook, that you can click a button and unfriend them. Like, if I don't want to hear from you, I can unfriend you. I can distance myself from you. I can remove you from having any influence in my, my life. And I think it's kind of lessened the meaning of the term Friend, maybe unintentionally, but it's kind of lessened the meaning of, of, of how we define the word friend. So I'm not talking about those kinds of friends. I'm talking about the people in your life, the influences in your life, and, I, and I'm not even gonna talk about removing them, but today I wanna talk about redefining those friendships. Maybe kind of taking inventory. I think as a, a follower of Jesus, and, and let me just say, I know that's not everyone in the room, like, we, we've created an environment where you should feel free to walk through these doors. You can feel welcome. You, maybe you don't, uh, haven't given your life to Jesus. You haven't crossed the line of faith. That's okay. Like, this is a safe place for you to come, kick the tires, kind of open up your heart and see, you know, who God is and what he has for your life. But if you are a committed follower of Jesus, I think every single one of us from time to time should stop and evaluate those friendships, and define those friendships that are in our life. And are they leading us into becoming the people that God has planned for us? If you're a committed follower, it's imperative to take a break. And to see, are these people in my life helping me or hurting me uh, fulfill the life that God has planned for me? You've heard it said, but I want you to jot it down anyway. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And that's so true. I don't, I don't, I see a couple of you writing. What's wrong? Like, let's go, take some notes. I heard that 95% of people that take notes make it to heaven, so you should take notes. <laughs> show me your friends, I'll show you your future. I've heard John Maxwell say this. I've heard Andy Stanley say this. I've heard any number of people quote this right here. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. However, it originated really with the guy that we're studying, King Solomon. Thousands of years ago, here's how he said it in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. He said, walk with the wise and become wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Walk with the wise, become wise. Show me the friends that you're running with, and I'll show you where you're running to. Walk with the wise, become wise. Hang out with fools, right, and become an even bigger fool. Now, if you're anything like me, chances are you are that the times that you got in the most trouble, the times that you got in significant kinds of trouble in your life, you never did it alone, did you? Like you always had people, you always had influences around you. I know that the times that I got in trouble in my life, it was never on my own. 
It was always that I was running with the wrong crowd. I was running with the wrong kinds of friends. They weren't friends, really. They were fools. And from about 16 to 19 years old, like that was a rough season in my life. Let's, I'm just, when I got my driver's license, it was on, right? Like anybody else, like that was a rough patch in my life. Like uh, I can just start rattling things off during that season, man. I made some really bad decisions with some really bad friends. Uh, mailbox baseball was one of them. Drano bombs in somebody's house is another one, which by the way, if you don't know what that is, maybe, maybe I shouldn't say this. Uh, I'll just say it anyway. Uh, it's when you put like Drano crystals in a bottle and with tin foil and some water and you put the lid on and it expands and blows up. Which by the way, if, it, if you do that in a house, okay, um, it will bleach all the carpet in the house. It will turn pink carpet white. I know that from experience. But Drano bombs, um, racing cars in reverse and getting pulled over in the process. Uh, that, that happened during that season in my life, and I, in fact, got my license suspended um, by the time I was 17 years old, I believe. And so uh, a cop pulled me over, going in reverse as I was racing somebody, pulled me out of the car. I, I peed my pants just a little bit in that moment. Um, not a, not, a, not a, like a steady stream, but a significant dribble down the leg, you know what I'm talking about? That happened during that season of my life between 16 and 19. I was running with the wrong crowd. Ultimately, uh, a scavenger hunt, which sounds, sounds harmless, a scavenger hunt uh, resulted in about 15 hours of court-ordered community service. That's a long story. I don't have time to tell you. And some of you are like, I'm never coming to this church again. And I understand that. But the good news is if God can use me, right? Like he can use any of you clowns in this room. But the times in my life when I experienced the most trouble, I never did it on my own. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And Solomon says, walk with the wise. Become wise because a companion of fools suffers harm. Another way he says it in Proverbs 12, 26, very directly, is the righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Choose your friends carefully. Those who wanna be righteous, those who make right decisions, choose your friends carefully. Here's what I know. You meet people by chance, but you deepen that relationship by choice, right? You have a choice of who you're gonna run with, who you're going to roll with. And because of that, jot this down, you can't live right running with the wrong friends. Like it's impossible to ultimately live a, a right kind of life, a, a godly life, a God-honoring life if you don't have God-honoring friends, if you don't have God-honoring influences in your life. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 15, do not be misled, bad company corrupts good character. Why do you think he said don't be misled? Because he knew you would be misled. And here's what I know about you. Here's what I know about hearing this message. Many of you are going, um, that's not me. Bad company is not going to corrupt me. You think that you are the exception to the rule. Colby, you don't understand, I'm stronger than that. Like these influences aren't going to influence me. My goal is to influence them. I'm, I'm, I'm better than that. I can, I can handle it. You know, I can hold my, my own. Many of us are going to be misled. You're gonna think of all the reasons why today this message does not apply to you because you are misled. But don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. And it doesn't matter how old you are, by the way. Well, Colby, you know, I'm, I'm old I'm 40, I'm 50, I'm 60, I'm 70 years old. Uh, wisdom has nothing to do with your age. 
Wisdom has to do with how you um, apply knowledge, knowledge that comes from above, right? Wisdom means skilled living. I know some wise 17-year-olds, and I know some foolish 50-year-olds, if we're being honest. I'm looking at a bunch of them. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Like, so it has nothing to do with your, your age. Walk with the wise, become wise. Don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. So here's, here's the problem with this message. Because from the start, at surface level, it seems pretty black and white, doesn't it? Like, it seems pretty cut and dry. Stay away from, from bad people. Just walk with wise. Don't hang out with wicked people. They're gonna lead you down a path that you don't wanna go down. God tells us, you know, bad company corrupts good character, and he does. But on the other hand, Jesus, our example, our savior, is a friend to sinners. So which is it? Do I walk with the wise, or do I hang out with the, the, the sinners, do I hang out with these people making foolish mistakes? Do we stay away or do we engage? God word, God's word tells us don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Don't, don't be yoked together with someone who's not running the same race as you, who's not living the same life for you as God. But on the other hand, we are called to be the light of the world, that we are a city on a hill and we're to let our light shine for all to see. So, so which is it? We're told in scripture, how can two walk together? Side by side, unless they can agree with each other. And, and that's, that's true. But again, we're told to go out into the whole world, telling people the good news of Jesus and, and that faith comes through hearing. And how, how will they believe unless they've been told? And how will they t- be, be told unless you, you tell them? So there's this, this kind of tension that you and I have to live in. And it raises the question, do we run away from the people that tempt us away from the things of God? Or are we a light on a hill, shining for, for all those to see? The answer is yes. It's a both and. This is not an, an either or kind of question. This is a both and. That at all times we are to be careful. Solomon says to guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart. It's the wellspring of your life. Guard your heart. It determines the course of your life. So we are to be careful not to let the wrong influences take us away from the plan that God has for us, but at the same time, remember that there is no plan B to reach a lost and broken world, that you are God's plan A, that God wants to use you, that you are to be a light on a hill. And so what I believe is that the foundation of this message is that if you are a committed follower of Jesus, and again, that's not everyone in this room, but if you are, your major influences, like, like the, the people that, that have voice into your life, the people that you influence, the people that are your core, I call them like your, your core four, like they must be committed followers of Jesus. Because if they're not, if they're fools, you know, and they, they have your ear, then they're gonna lead you in a direction, in a path, the wicked lead us astray from what God wants. So those core people in your life, your, your major influence must be followers of Jesus. And if you surround yourself with fools, you'll never grow into your full potential. If you've gone through Crash Course, uh, you've heard us talk a little bit about redwood trees. Redwood trees grow up to be 300 plus feet tall. Like it's, it's amazing, right? These trees are crazy. If you've ever been to like the redwood forest in, in Northern California or Oregon or Washington, you see these massive redwood trees and they're huge. And so one would think that a tree that grows to be 300 plus feet tall must have some deep roots, but it's not true. 
actually, they're, uh, relatively speaking, they have some of the shallowest root systems of any trees. And so you'd think they would easily topple over, but they don't because their strength is not found in the depth of their roots. Their strength is found in how their roots connect with each other because a redwood tree doesn't grow in isolation. It grows among other redwood trees. And so what they do is they grow in this grove, they grow in this, this forest and their roots kind of spread out and they interlock and they, they intertwine with one another. They kind of lock arms, they kind of wrap up together. And if you were gonna try to take out one redwood tree, you couldn't do it. You'd have to take out the entire forest of them because they are locked together. Uh, uh, if you kind of the opposite end of that is something like a, like a small tree, like a, like a bonsai tree. You know what a bonsai tree is? Bonsai, bonsai tree, that's Mr. Miyagi, anyone? Bonsai tree. Um, like very tiny little trees, like let's say those are your foolish friends. And if you are a redwood tree and you're trying to live for God and you're trying to, to grow strong roots and you're trying to you know, interlock them with little bonsai trees, you're gonna get taken out every single day of the week. You're going to have your spiritual rear end kicked by the enemy. You can't do it. So your core, the people that are surrounding you, must be committed followers of Jesus, not, not foolish little bonsai trees, all right? So your inner circle must be committed followers of Jesus. And it doesn't mean that you dismiss the little bonsai trees in your life. You dismiss your friends. In fact, Jesus was the perfect example of this. When you look at the life of Jesus, we see that he loved everyone equally, but he didn't treat everyone equally. Like he loved everyone the same. He loved everyone with this unconditional love of the Father, but he did not treat them the same. Jesus had hundreds of, of followers, people that would follow him around, people that would want to hear his teaching, people that would want get, to get close to him, but he only recruited 12 to be in his circle. And of those 12, he recruited three to be in his inner kinds of circle. And even when, when everybody was trying to get his attention, Jesus would often remove himself from the crowd, go up and spend time with his heavenly father, allowing his roots to grow stronger, his roots to grow deeper in God his father so that he could reach higher heights, so that he could have a greater impact. So Jesus loved everyone equally, but he didn't treat them equally. And I don't think you have to bring every single friend into your inner circle. They must be committed followers of Jesus. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Show me the friends that you're running with and I can tell you exactly where you are running to and you're not gonna be able to live right. You're not gonna be able to live the, the life that God wants you to live running with fools, running with the wrong people. So here's what some of you are saying. All right, Colby, I got it. I get it, stay away from the really bad people. Stay away from, you know, if I got friends that are knocking off banks, I got friends that are, you know, making meth labs in their kitchen, if I got friends, you know, who are doing that kind of stuff, I need to stay away from them. Yes, you do, absolutely, that's a great start. But chances are, right, most of you don't have friends like that. I say most of you because this is Elevate Church. And I realize that's not all of you, and some of you, you need to be here. We're so glad that you're here today. But most of you don't have friends that are knocking off banks. Most of you don't have friends that are, are making meth labs in, in their kitchen. But you do have some influences in your life, some friendships that need to be redefined. 
And so it might not be these massive kind of glaring things, but it could be you have friends that are just negative. And that every time you're around them, it's just this negativity, negativity. And you find yourself like falling into that as well. They criticize everything. And so you start being a party to that. It could be influences that are leading you in a direction that doesn't honor God. And you need to redefine that friendship. It could be friends that are leading you uh, in other values that, that don't line up with the values of God. You need to redefine that friendship. It doesn't mean you remove them from your life. You just redefine the relationship. It doesn't mean that you give them access to your whole heart. It just means that maybe you need to redefine who's on your inner circle. The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. So here's what I want us to do with the time that we have left is give you three commitments to write down. There's probably more, but these three commitments, two are the things that you and I would commit not to doing. And then I want you to really embrace these. I want you to jot these down. I want you to make these a part of your life if you want to grow in wisdom, if you want to, to grow strong roots and, and long roots so that you can reach higher heights. Three commitments that we're willing to make in order to foolproof our friendships. The first one, jot it down, is this. I will not let fools pull me from God's plan. I will not let fools pull me from God's plan. That's what Jesus did. In fact, at one time when one of his inner circle, right, his, his closest three, Peter, wanted to pull him away from God wanted him to do, uh, Jesus got, just got done explaining, hey, I have to go away. I'm gonna be crucified. I'm gonna be dead. I, I need to come back to life in order to, to, to kick this whole movement off for people to have a way to have a relationship with God, so I gotta go away. And Peter got up in Jesus' face and said, no. Like, don't ever let that happen. We don't want you to go. We, we need you here with us. And he meant well, right? Peter had good intentions in that moment. But look what Jesus, uh, how he responded to him in Matthew chapter 16, verse 23. It says, Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. That's strong right there. In fact, if you ever need to make a point and you need people to know you mean business, you just look at them and say, get behind me, Satan, all right? It comes in handy at the DMV when someone <laughs> cuts in front of you in line. Get behind me, Satan. But word of warning, you only need to use it during the proper times. Like if your mother-in-law is getting on your last nerve, that's not the proper time to say get behind me, Satan. I don't, I'm not saying I know that from experience. Jesus turned and said, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. In other words, he was trying to pull Jesus away from God's plan. And you have people in your life that are trying to pull you away from the plan that God, God has for you. And it might be that they are well-intentioned, that they're, they're good people. Maybe it even happened today, this weekend, and you said, hey, I gotta go to church. And they're like, no, 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 what? you're gonna go to church again? Like, really? Can't you just do that like once a month? For those of you that this is your first time this month, you're like, uh. <laughs> you know, really? Let's go, let's go hang out, let's play, play, play golf. And they're not bad people, they're not evil, wicked people. They're just pulling you away from God's plan for your life. Maybe you're trying to change the way that you live. 
Maybe you're trying to, to get out of debt, right? Go all Dave Ramsey. I'm gonna live like no one else so I can live like no one else. But every time you hang around with a certain group of friends, it's all about the money. It's all about the Benjamins. It's all about you know materials. And you find yourself, when you hang around them, concerned more with the things of the world and not with God, not with God or, or God's people whom he so loves. And you realize, hey, I need to redefine this friendship. Maybe it's the people that, it's the tailgate. And it's the football games that's their guy. Shout out to Ohio State University. Just saying, just saying. Oh, what's, we got a few Buckeyes. And there's nothing wrong with football. But there's a whole lot wrong with prioritizing football over your relationship with God over the worship of God, over the worship of God with God, with God's, God's people and serving God. And so you might need to step up and redefine that friendship. I'm not gonna let you pull me away from God's plan for my life. Maybe, you know, we'll get, maybe we're gonna kind of stick our, our finger on a sensitive spot here. Maybe it's a dating relationship that you know you shouldn't be in. It's a relationship that is not godly. It's not honoring, honoring God. You need to redefine that relationship. Maybe you need to, to end that relationship you know, with that person in, in this season. And I know the pushback, some of you would be like, yeah, but, but, but you know, he, he was, I, I've seen the certificate when he was christened at six months old or when he was baptized at six months old in the Catholic church. He's never gone back since then. But I saw the picture, I saw the certificate. I think there's a little bit of God in there somewhere. No, that's not the case. Or girls will say, yeah, 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 but you don't understand, I, I'm, he's handsome. And, it, and he's handsome. And it's easier for me to make him godly, but I can't make him handsome. And so I'm gonna continue to date him. Maybe you need to redefine that relationship. Don't allow people to pull you away from God's plan for your life, don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. Don't ever let someone pull you away. Here's the second commitment that I want you to make. Jot it down. I will not let fools continually tempt me into sinning. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna remain in that relationship. I'm not gonna continue to give them the same kind of access to my heart that they've always had. A great example of this is Joseph in the Old Testament. Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, his own family sold him out um, because of these dreams that he was having and, and they, they interpreted it as, as Joseph you know, saying that he was better than them and that's not what his heart was, but he was sold into slavery, ended up at a guy named Potiphar's house who was a part of a high-ranking official for Pharaoh and he, because of his integrity, because of his character, he found favor with Pharaoh, how, or with Potiphar. However, he also found favor with Potiphar's wife and Potiphar's wife tried to come at him. Potiphar's wife tried to put some moves on him, and here's how the Bible records it in Genesis um, chapter 39, I believe. We'll put it up on the screen, verse 12. Potiphar's wife caught Joseph by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. Like, like Top Gun, take me to bed or lose me forever. Top Gun fans, anybody? Six people. But he left his cloak in her hand, and what did he do? He ran. He took off. He said, I am not going to stay in this environment and allow you to continually tempt me, allow you to continually, continually put that in my face, put that in my mind, and to tempt me. We talked last week how, um, you know, it begins with our thoughts, with our thinking. 
that, that as a man thinks in his heart, so he is, and that our life moves in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Well, Joseph knew this. He was like, I'm not gonna stay here and allow this thought to enter my mind. I'm gonna take off, and he got the heck out of there, right? The Bible says that we are to flee from sexual temptation. We are to flee from sexual immorality. He didn't stick around, didn't let her tempt him into sin. And there are some relationships in your life that you need to redefine because they're constantly tempting you, constantly trying to pull you back down, pull you into that, that same place, into those same environments where they know that you're going to sin. Maybe it's your friends. They just, they just gossip all the time. It's just gossip, gossip, gossip. And you know it's wrong. You know it's not honoring God. In fact, Proverbs Solomon tells us that gossip is like a, a choice morsel. Right, and it goes down and it gets stuck embedded in your soul, deep, deep in your heart, and you know it's not right, but every time you're around a certain group of people, that's all they do, these, these side room conversations, these, these back room kinds of, 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 of whispers, right? And it's not honoring, it's not using your words to, to build one another up, saying only things that are helpful you know, in, in building each other up, as God's word tells us, and you might have to say, look, I have to end this. I'm gonna have to redefine this this friendship, I can't do this anymore. I don't wanna talk about people you know, that I have no influence over. I'm just, I'm done with it. And you might push back on that and say, but Colby, you don't understand. They come to me. They just always gossip to me. I'm not asking for it, but they just come to me. Well, first of all, you should ask your, or you've never asked them not to, maybe. Secondly, you should ask yourself why that is. Why do they feel comfortable coming to you? Why do they feel comfortable you know, talking about someone else to you. It's because gossip is like a choice morsel, but it sinks down and gets embedded in your heart. And you probably need to redefine that relationship. Maybe, guys, let's talk about you. Maybe the friends that you hang out with are always pointing out the hot chick in the gym. Oh, did you see her? Maybe it's the guys that you work with, right? You know, a girl walks by and you're like, oh, check her out. Woo, ha, 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 woo, you know, whatever you're doing, I don't know. Chica, 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 ven aquí, ra, ra. I don't know. I just got back from El Salvador, right? So I still got a little machismo in me. I don't know if that's a word. I apologize if I just swore in something, in a language, I don't know. But they're constantly leading you into temptation, talking about her, talking about, about that. And you're, you might have to say, stop. I have to remove myself from this, this friendship because you're constantly pulling me down. Maybe, maybe you're around a group of women that's just constantly negative about your husbands or about men. And can I tell you something? If you want to have a, a better marriage, you want to build a marriage that lasts the, 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 the test of time, but the girls you hang around always are just bitter, bitter, bitter. They're not making you better. You might need to say enough. And you have to redefine that friendship. You might need to put the brakes on and commit. I will not allow you to continually tempt me into sin. It's not that I don't love you. It's not that, you know, I, I don't love you the way God loves you, but I just have to redefine this relationship. I need to find people that are gonna help build me up, a, a core that's gonna build me, not, not bury me, a core that's gonna, that's gonna keep me from temptation. You redefine the friendship. So the first commitment was I'll not let you pull me away from God's plan. I commit to doing that no matter what. I don't care, I don't love you any less. The second one is I'm not gonna let you constantly pull me down. 
and put me in positions where I'll be tempted. But here's the last one. Here's the thing that I, I will do. And here's where I'm gonna shut this thing down. I will never stop loving you with the unconditional love of Christ. Here's the worst thing that could happen as a result of this message is that you could hear or that you could mistake me for leading you to be this holier than thou. I, I, I don't associate with, or I got this figured out, religious kind of elitism, this, this kind of, hey, I'm better than you kind of mentality where we don't engage people that for God so loved. Like that's the worst thing that could happen is that you could hear that, that we, you know, we're not gonna hang around with evil, wicked people because we don't want them to rub off on us. But we need to remember and understand that Jesus was a friend to sinners. I kind of referenced it earlier, but Solomon said, above all else, hey, guard your heart. It's the wellspring of life. Guard your heart. It determines the direction of your life. It determines the course of your life. So yes, we guard our heart. Like, let's be wise about it. Let's, let's ask for wisdom. Let's, let's put things in place to where, hey, I commit, you're not gonna pull me away from God. I commit that I'm not gonna remain in that, that tempting kind of relationship. I commit that. So guard our heart, guard our heart, guard our heart, but never lose your heart for the people that God so loved. Jesus loved people unconditionally. And so you'll commit to, love you unconditionally with the love of Jesus. And when you do, you are demonstrating, you are fulfilling the teaching of Jesus in John chapter 13. This is what he said here, a new command I give you. What does it say? Love one another. What does it say? Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Hey, in case you missed it, love one another. In fact, in case you missed it again, he goes on to say in verse 35, by this everyone will know that you're my disciples if you, if you go to church, if you, you know, worship God more, if you pray more, if you, if you, you know, kind of do all these, these, these spiritual disciplines, then, then people are going to know that's not what it says. If you stay away from wicked people completely and, and shut your life off to them, if you build a bubble around you, that's not what it says. It says they'll know if you love one another. See, the worst thing that could happen is that you would leave here and, and you'd remove all the friends from your life that you have. That's not what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to redefine those friendships. And if you don't have a core group of people that you can lock arms with, that you can grow strong with, that your roots can grow long and strong so that you don't fall over with every breeze, so that, so that you can reach unimaginable heights, so that you can have the impact that God created you and designed you for. Can I please beg you, implore you, get connected to people? Hey, this week, we're kicking off another semester of groups and the group's directory is open. And if you're not connected to people like that in your life, guess what? If you, you're not gonna live right, running with the wrong people. It's not gonna happen. You'll never reach your full potential running with the wrong people. You need to have godly influences in your life. Get connected. Like join a group. We don't say it just to give you something else to do. We say it because you desperately need it in your life. People you're connected to. Growing strong together with, that way you can reach the heights that God has for you. Let's, let's do this right now. Would you bow your heads? 
and just close your eyes and let's, we're gonna get out of here on time, not scramble around, but just for a moment, let's evaluate those friendships that we have. The reality is maybe you don't have some glaring relationships that are, you know, causing you to, to do some crazy things, but you have some influences in your life that have your ear, that are maybe negative, that maybe don't have the same faith as you, that are constantly trying to pull you away from the things of God or constantly trying to lead you into temptation. So let's take inventory right now of those relationships and not remove them, but let's, let's redefine them. And maybe that means for you having the courage to, to walk out of this room and have some difficult conversations and say, I love you. I love you the way Jesus loved you. I love you because for, for God so loved the world that he came for everyone, anyone and everyone. And I love you that way, but I, I can't remain in the same kind of relationship with you that we're in. For those of you, we're praying right now, those of you that are addicts, coming out of life of an addiction, sexual addiction, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, whatever it is, and you constantly are putting yourself around the same people and places, hey, this is for you. Because removing yourself, uh, redefining those relationships could be a matter of life or death. And so you gotta do the hard thing Walk with the wise, become wise. Hang out with fools, you're gonna suffer harm. And then understand that ultimately, we're gonna love the world like Jesus loves the world. And how did he love the world? That he gave his life for the world. And some of you that walked through this door today and maybe you're not a follower of Jesus, but you're sitting here and you know that you've, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, let me tell you, the best part is about having a relationship with Jesus. Not only does he forgive all of your sins, all of your mistakes, but he also puts within you the Holy Spirit of God that leads you into this, this full life, a life of, of freedom, a life that, that's free of shame, that's free of guilt, a life that, that has a plan and a purpose, a life that, that has meaning. So he doesn't just wanna save you so that you can go to heaven one day, which is a great thing, by the way, but he wants to set you free today. And so he died on the cross and his blood uh, covered our sins. And because he conquered the sin in our life by coming back from the dead, he can conquer the sin that's in your life as well. And if you'd say, Colby, that's what I need. That's why I'm here. I need to begin a relationship with Jesus where I've been so far from God. Today is the day I'm coming back. I'm gonna invite you to pray a prayer in just a moment that does that. It's, it's not the words that we say, but the fact that we believe this in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead so that we could have a relationship with him. If you'd say, Colby, when you pray that prayer, I'm praying it right alongside of you. Would you just throw your hand up right now wherever you are in this room? This is why I'm here. This is what I need. I need to begin a relationship with Jesus. I need to recommit my life to Jesus. Come on, throw it up. Be proud about that. God bless you. God bless you. Awesome, praise God for you. You can put your hands down. Say something like this in your heart. Jesus, today I surrender my life to you. I'm not doing this on my own anymore, I can't. It's not working. I'm making some terrible decisions, some, some terrible mistakes. Friends are, are tempting me and leading me far from you. And I've said enough is enough. And from this moment on, Jesus, I'm gonna follow you. Forgive me for my sin. I repent and I turn towards you. 
I believe that your death on the cross covers my sin, past, present, and future. And I confess you as Lord and Savior of my life. And from this moment on, God, I invite your Holy Spirit to live inside of me, to make me new, and to set me free in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you made a decision to follow Jesus into your life and accept him as Lord and Savior, we would love to know about it. You can go online to elevatechurch.com forward slash yes, and there will be some practical next steps for you to take along this journey. If you want to commit to fueling the mission and vision of this church to see people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, you can go online to elevatechurch.com forward slash give.